This is the Open School of Business, the podcast dedicated to success by delivering insightful conversations with business experts from different walks of life. Here's your host, Anaru Musakwa, entrepreneur and a project management professional. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please leave your comments and questions, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe. Let's begin. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today I have an honor to introduce you to Dr. Beth Offenbacher. Her expertise and experience and passion for people and the planet and the performance distinguished her and set her apart as an executive executive coach and a consultant. Uh, She specializes in elevating results and impact for individual talent and organizations in the green industry. As the recipient of more than 30 awards, honors, and fellowships throughout her esteemed career, she's highly regarded as the go-to authority and an extraordinary influencer in her field. During her tenure at Waterford, which is her venture, Dr. Offenbacher has been consistently recognized for her strategic and creative vision in guiding the firm's work with its diverse range of clients. She has corporate, nonprofit, and public agency experience, and her expansive portfolio includes local, state, regional, national, and international projects. Dr. Offenbacher co-designed and leads the Green Career Workshops for the Global Nonprofit Leaders in Energy, and that's a 4,500-plus member organization of clean energy and sustainability professionals in the U.S. and more than 100 countries. She also serves as Director of Training and Development for Leaders in Energy, which I really love um, because one of the topics here is about uh, continuous learning for business people and entrepreneurs. Her background includes staff positions with professional trade associations, an investor-owned utility company, the headquarters of a federal agency, a top-ranked research university, and a small marketing firm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Offenbacher also is a former university faculty member with over 10 years of teaching experience and more than seven years of experience in higher education leadership and administration. And she's an active tree steward with the tree stewards of Arlington and Alexandria. And she's local to Washington, D.C. area and resides in Arlington, Virginia. So without further ado, I would like to welcome you. Uh, Hello, Beth. Uh, It's very nice to have you on my show today. Anar, thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Yes, I'm, I'm happy to have you here as well. Uh, and I would like to start uh, with questions around your current work and what you're focusing on right now. Well, gosh, that's a great question, Anar. And my work has always been in emergence, shall I say, that there are always new projects coming into my portfolio and new organizations and new individuals. So where I began many years ago is, is, is different in many ways than where I am right now. So my work today emphasizes the green industry. When I started out, I worked with a range of different organizations as a consultant, as a business owner. And as time went on, I discovered that my real passion was around working with the 16 different sectors that comprise the green industry. And so that's where I focus today. And I work with 
individuals who are looking to enter or move up in the green industries. That's my green career coaching work. Secondly, I work with green organizations that are looking to enhance the performance and keep really great people, helping them be effective as leaders within that organizational setting. And then thirdly, I work with green stakeholders. I help organizations that are trying to accomplish something where they need to engage the people that they work with as customers or stakeholders or clients outside of their organization. And so my, the path that I've traveled over the 20 the some odd years that I've had my consultancy has really helped me to uh, learn more and go deeper and uh, develop an expertise in understanding the needs and concerns and goals of each of those kinds of clients that I work with. I'm glad you mentioned about the leadership and coaching that you provide for the executives in green industry. A question around that is, uh, what kind of coaching services uh, you usually provide? What's in demand today for leadership and management? Well, I think there are a couple of different challenges that green organizations faced. First of all, I think there is a a challenge with keeping really good people, especially in the greater Washington DC area. It's a very competitive field. And this particular area has a lot to offer in terms of um, organizational talent uh, that you know, organizations are looking to bring talented people on and keep them. And so helping those individuals accomplish what they're looking to do professionally is important. And so one of the things I hear from organizations is that need to make sure that they are responding to the interests of a professional because otherwise they're going to jump to another opportunity in the marketplace. So there, that's kind of an, an attribute of uh, competitiveness and so that those organizations can continue to serve their, their clients and customers. Um, the other piece of it is around team performance. The people I specialize in working with are scientific and technical professionals in R. And while everyone certainly has the, the skills and ability to communicate and, and work with others, sometimes those who have that predisposition to scientific and technical expertise find it a little bit challenging to communicate effectively with the people that uh, they work with or that work for them. And so, for example, I'm thinking of a client that I worked with recently who was really interested in helping their executives give more effective feedback to their team members. It seems like such an easy thing to do, but it can be quite mm -hmm. scary for that manager and to create an environment that is positive and productive and then also keeps the people on that project team happy and engaged uh, in that right. workplace is, is an important is yeah. very important and, and yeah. instrumental. And uh, it's very interesting that you mentioned that it's their boss actually noticed the problem and decided to <laughs> do this training or intervention. And it's great that he's aware of that. Sometimes it's not the case and will either have to do some development and training on their own time where they know that they lack certain skill and they reach out for additional sources of information. 
But it's great that their leader acknowledged that they do have a problem like that, that they need help and the help can be acquired through the organizational sources rather than the staff members reaching out and trying to find something on their own. Well, and I think it, it is it is that self-awareness absolutely in our that we need as leaders. It's it's those blind spots that come along and, and create challenges for us, whether it's managing our teams or knowing what's going on in the marketplace around us so that we can be prepared. And so one of the things I, I, I think about a lot with the organizations I work with and the and the leaders I work with is what I call a practice of adaptable certainty, which is is really around it's around three components. The first one is thinking about the modularity of what we offer and our skills. And so understanding what our, what's in our toolkit and what's not there and what do we need to tap to address the situation at hand. Uh, then there's the, the piece of feedback loops that really help us understand the effectiveness of what we're doing. And so if we know right through that self-awareness that the feedback that's coming back from the team is we aren't very good at helping guide them to get to that next level of performance, then that's an insight for us. And then the third piece is around um, knowing that our power is, is embedded in addressing both uncertainties and ambiguities and uncovering what we need to arrive at a place of certainty um, and eliminate and those ambiguities. And so when we have all of those different mindsets in place, that helps the executive not only be more effective in an organizational setting, but be more effective as a leader as well. Yes. And um, you mentioned self-awareness as the crucial part and I absolutely agree with you because sometimes if the person is not self-aware that they have an issue with a certain thing, they you might even have a backlash as a consultant trying to teach the person to do what you think is needed. Uh, have you had such clients before? Like, how do you deal with them? For, especially when their boss hires you to do a certain thing and they think that they really don't need it. Oh gosh, that's a challenge. And that's where sitting down and, and really understanding what the goals of the person who's bringing us in, uh, what those goals are, and then understanding how the person who we're going to be working with really sees that problem. And I, uh, I wish I could tell you that in every circumstance that everyone is completely on board. There have been times and projects where the day-to-day -day person is not completely on board. And those are the more challenging projects, mm -hmm. thinking of one that I completed a few years back. Um, but the good news is that the project was successful. Uh, and so one of the goals that I, I hope that we always leave uh, our clients with is a level of awareness of what they learned along the way. And so we're, we're all on a, on a growth continuum. And um, I think one of the things that I've appreciated a lot is that the organization is, is committed to 
making something better as a result of working with us. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time for some of the individuals we work with to come to the realization and the learning um, about that project that, mm-hmm. that yes. the owner, that the person who brought us in was hoping to accomplish. Yeah, and I think it often depends on the leadership stance that the, the management team takes. And uh, if they really show that this is a serious project and this requires their attention, and if anybody's not on board, would uh, face some kind of consequences, it usually help, helps to really at least give a chance to this new idea or framework that you're trying to implement. And that's uh, very important. <laughs> well, and I think having a very open discussion um, in all the projects I've worked on to really understand what the implications are if, if something isn't addressed. So everybody can really see that big picture of why, why working together on this project would be important. And there've been times when we've had that discussion with clients and they've decided to go on another path and that's totally cool. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think having a very open discussion and understanding the implications of a lot of different directions is, is really valuable. And so I'm always happy to engage with people about that. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes people will come back to us and have another dialogue about it. And sometimes they choose another direction and, and that's that's totally cool as well. Um, our focus is always on being of service and helping people to think through all of those different options and make mm-hmm. make the best choice that's right for their organization. Uh, and I can see like earlier in your career, you started out being a little bit more technical and then you transitioned into more of a coaching and executive coaching roles. And I'm wondering when you started off Waterboard, were your clients mostly in the, uh, asking for technical project services? And then you, with time, transitioned into leadership coaching as well. Uh, like, how did you find your niche when you just kind of quit your job and jumped into starting your venture in Waterboard? Well, there was a lot of experimentation, I think, a lot of openness. And I think that's really key as an entrepreneur, really understanding what the needs of the marketplace are. And so we worked with a lot of different organizations, I'd say for the first five to seven years that our company was in existence. And then as time went on, we really discovered that our focus on working on projects that connect with the green industry and the people development side was just a sweet spot for us. So it it brought my own background as a a faculty member at the university and helping develop people to the front of our work and overlap nicely with some of the more technical work that we were doing for some time. So it really was a nice combination. And so I think one of the pieces I really enjoy about the work that I do in R is I get those technical and scientific elements of what those organizations and those professionals are about. And so that's a, that's kind of a, 
another added benefit of working with our organization is we get that context and some of the complexities that are around that kind of yes. work. And, so and that's huge uh, for certain organizations because just knowing leadership and management in a broad context is certainly not enough when you're in a specific niche uh, company and industry. So it's really great that you get both sides and that way you can help your client holistically from all sides. Since most of our podcast audience is either looking into opening their own business or just open their business now and looking into different services and how to grow, uh, we would like to ask for some advice on how to start and then how to scale your operations as a service consultant firm. Well, I think there needs to be a couple of key pieces in place, I would say, in our, first of all, it's knowing really what your strengths are and staying focused on that. And that can be challenging, especially when you're starting out. And I mentioned that we worked with a lot of different clients when we first started the company. And that was helpful for us in, in clarifying really where we wanted to go and where we didn't. Uh, and so, but, but at the core of that was understanding what we did really well and not doing things that were outside our wheelhouse. So having that level of clarity around your, your skill sets is, is essential. Um, I think the other element is understanding what the market needs are. And that is, that's essential. Not only what makes you competitive, but also who's entering the marketplace and to constantly have your ear to the ground and, and understand that the market is always changing. And so how are you adapting to that? How are you um, evolving on an ongoing basis? And so I, I can think about the nature of our, our services has, has shifted over time. For example, our, our leadership uh, and executive coaching is something that uh, we discovered there's a need for in the marketplace, especially knowing the, the dynamics of the, the green marketplace. So that's something that we added. Um, and so really listening to what those needs are and being willing to let go of things that you maybe did in the past and that, you know, again, are a good fit for what clients are asking for. And of course, knowing when there's something that's outside of your realm of expertise. So for example, presently we do a lot of projects that require our skills and then we have a, a network of people that we'll bring in when clients need some other types of skills that really aren't in our wheelhouse or that we don't have the capacity to do. And so to really thinking about how we can best be of service, but uh, that also means there are times when we refer things away, when we really feel it's not in the best service to the client to pursue that project. And so really having that, that commitment to what's best for the people we work for is a core value of our organization. All right. Yeah, that's excellent. And what are your personal recommended tools to do marketing research? How did you find those five or those first 10 clients that you had back in the day? 
Wow. Well, I think this is where personal connections are so valuable and organizations like Leaders in Energy and um, other networks are, are so helpful. Many of our first clients actually came from our involvement in our local chamber of commerce. And so that was a great opportunity for us to hear what the needs were within a geographic marketplace. And so that certainly I encourage um, businesses that are starting out to get involved in their local chamber. Um, our local chamber, my local chamber here, I belong to the Arlington Chamber of Commerce and they have a sustainability committee, which is a great overlap with the work that we do. So look at look to your local chamber of commerce and see if they have something like that or see if you could start a sustainability committee. So that has been really valuable for us. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, you know, leaders in energy, of course, I am the, the director of training and development to volunteer role. And I've met a, a tremendous number of people and we've gotten several referrals from being part of that community. So that's something that's been quite beneficial. So think about a place where the people that you would like to work with are gathering and connecting. And so not only is it helpful on an individual level to meet professionals and organizations in that space, but then also to learn about trends and um, emerging needs in that marketplace. Right. And plus when you're giving back to your community, and uh, serving as a volunteer, they, they already see you in action and then it's easier for them to make a decision about uh, the services they want to purchase because there is already a low risk of knowing you, seeing you doing things and um, basically being able to build trust and show your capabilities. This is a great advice, thank you. When you started your venture, uh, you mentioned that we did this and we did that. Uh, were there many partners? How many partners were you and uh, how did you decide on how to cooperate and collaborate with those colleagues? Well, when Waterford was incorporated in 1996, I had um, two partners and uh, subsequently they left the organization and then I, I've had a couple of other partners over time. In the last decade, I bought out my partner, and so I'm the sole owner of the organization. I think one of the key pieces is really understanding the core values and the goals that your partners have. I mean, in a, in a way, it, it's, it's a marriage of sorts, and you really want to know right. those people and know how they like to work, what's important to them, and... Uh, a great piece of advice, an attorney at the time that we incorporated said, you know, you really want to understand what your, um, what, how, how you would like to dissolve the business together if it ever comes to that. And so, you know, beginning with the end in mind, the, the Stephen Covey advice, I think is, is really valuable. And so as we've gone through changes over time as an organization, that I think has also helped it, me inform the work that I do with organizations. And so, you know, um, I, I don't think of it as, as change. I think of it as something new is emerging and something, there's a call for something to be different and mm -hmm. um, what, what the structure was, how the work was done, who was involved, worked well, and 
something changed, there was a, a dynamic that shifted and something needs to, to be different. And what is that? What does that look like? How does it work together? And how do you let those people or those projects come to a positive conclusion and so that everyone can move on to what's next for them and, and for the organization? And so I think coming with that lens uh, is, is a productive way to think about the evolution of your organization. Because every organization and all of us, we're always changing, changes happening. We're, all of us are different yeah, than we were yesterday and so is, is the organization and the marketplace. So to, when yeah, I like how you put it, uh, saying that um, <clears throat> it's a productive way to think about it. And that's the nar that's depends on the narrative you see either you give it a positive narrative or a negative narrative, but at the end it's really a neutral thing that ought to happen and it happened. So now you're um, more of a solopreneur. And one of my favorite podcasts in this space is Indie Hackers. And they're mostly <laughs> independent uh, people who do their businesses on their own through online methods. Obviously, it's, it's a little bit different, but that podcast is one of my favorites to listen. And it's always amazing just how much one person can do, given the experiences and the network they have built over the years, which uh, you have a tremendous impact in terms of, of that space. There are a lot of benefits being a solopreneur, in my opinion, and uh, decision-making, obviously, and then changing direction quickly and adapting quickly is definitely very valuable, especially since you are already involved with the other networks, like you mentioned, leaders in energy and volunteering your time there. It gives you an opportunity to still work with people and interact and do day-to-day -day, uh, business as if you were working in a big company. So I think that's also fairly important for an extrovert type for example. So uh, let me just go back to your early career. I know you mentioned the St uh, Stephen Scovey's habit of always have the end goal in mind. And I know some of my bosses, they were also advising that you have to have a dream career or a dream position that you want to retire from. And from then you start planning your career and building it out. But also I've met a lot of successful people who were just following their intuition and certain projects that they were interested in and not planning as much, but they were definitely jumping from another to another thing that was interest, interesting for them and it served them well. So I'm curious uh, which type you belong to. Wow, that's a marvelous question. And so I think it gets to the element of mindfulness that I try to bring to my work. And there are a couple of ways we can think about Stephen Covey's philosophy of beginning with the end in mind. It can be a results-oriented orientation, or it can be a more overarching goal or purpose. And so I really try to think of it in terms of the second dimension. And I think I knew when I was teaching for many years at American and then at Virginia Tech, that I wanted to bring coaching into my work because being a professor, you, you are coaching 
that student. You're helping them to figure out what they need to do to get to the next level in their career and helping them kind of understand what's going on and on their path and, and making other choices. So I, I do think that that was something that I, I knew several years ago that I wanted to bring in and I kind of just acknowledged that somehow that would, would come about. But, you know, I read something yesterday in the New York Times from a few weeks ago. It was an interview with the current chief executive of American Airlines. And he talked about an example of when he has a great background in the airline industry and he's been head of three different airlines. And he told the story about when he became head of America West Airlines, which was really having a lot of problems at the time. And they needed a loan to be able to continue existing and some of the challenges of that. And at the, the end of the story, uh, and I encourage you to, to go in and, and look that up in the New York Times, uh, at the end of the story, he says, you know, everything changed for me when I stopped focusing on, on my career goals as being, you know, the CEO that was, you know, super successful and just focused on serving other people. And so that's, that's really where I come from, Anar, is around what can I do with the skills and abilities that I have to be of service to the clients that I work with and help them get to where they need to be next. And so that's, that's really what my, my focus right. is. That's my purpose in life. And so how it happens, it'll, it'll all, uh, you know, I don't, don't mean to be, to lack specificity there. I have particular skill sets. I have particular talents. I have experience. I have knowledge about the industry that I can all bring to bear as do you and, and others. But there's also this piece around seeing, acknowledging and, and collecting data, observing what's going on and what the needs are, and, and trusting that, um, that my preparation will, will correspond with what those needs and concerns of our clients are. Yes, thank you so much for that. It resonates with me a lot because... Um, I was doing workshops on leadership and servant leadership is one of the trending right now. And also I think it's because we live in a different era now where like, for example, your clients were saying that they need to be able to engage their employees, retain their talent and uh, by serving as a leader by serving your employees by serving your stakeholders you can retain the best talent and uh, you can make a difference so that's really wonderful that way i think companies can build trust and uh, one of my favorite books uh, is the five dysfunctions of a team and then later patrick has developed that into a framework of five behaviors of a cohesive team like made it even more like positive. Uh, I think it talks about a lot of the teamwork and how the people have to be open and trusting each other and involved in conflict openly and be accountable to each other. And also that way they can really focus on results and deliver. Uh, however, I think there's an overarching leadership piece there that recent authors have also identify like Simon Sinek, that's starting with why and leaders eat last. 
I think that's amazing because it really depends a lot on the leadership and the direction and the tone that they give and their vision of how they want their company to operate. And when that requirement, let's say that hard direction is given, then people start being mindful about how they fit in that culture. And if they fit in, they would, you know, bring their best and contribute. And if they don't, then maybe <laughs> they move on to a different company where they would strive better. So I think um, great that as a leadership coach and an executive coach, you have the same understanding about the effective leadership uh, styles for this day and age. I love that you brought in Patrick Lianchoni's work and and the, the perspective of really understanding what drives individuals. I, th- I think as leaders, it's, it's really easy, especially for people who are scientific and technical, to get a lot into the how. And we can't forget the why to Simon Sinek's work. Um, and so really, the really great leaders, I can think of one gentleman I worked for many years ago in a federal agency who was really good about reminding us why we did the work that we did and just kind of talking about the customer and what their needs were and really inspiring people. He was very, very keen on, on the how, I mean, because that's, that's how you deliver what you do to the people that, that need your work and that pay for your work. But he also was very good at bringing in that inspirational piece. And so finding ways to go back to where we began our discussion and thinking about storytelling and our, um, how can we bring in those stories and just remind people and make them a part of telling that story on an ongoing basis? That is part of the, the glue that keeps people in an organization and coming back and doing those extra little things that are, are really needed to make the organization thrive. That is a, a, a key piece. You can't only just have the how. You have to, you have to be able to inspire people so that every, everything can work together. Right. Inspiring piece is, is tremendous. And it's one of the key elements that the leadership brings in. Because anybody can give you tasks and uh, give you direction. So that's all about management. But only a true leader can really inspire you to take action every day on your own and think about what that action should be. Not necessarily give you an answer. You should do this or that. So that, that's really inspirational for me. And I think it's a good segue into the next question. I know we've um, talked about many books that we liked and the concept of, around them, but I would like uh, to get from you one of your favorite books of all time that have really like a big impact on the way you live and the way you think about things. Wow, that is an awesome question. I am quite a book hound. And so I think I have probably a dozen books in in various stages of completion. I think the one that comes to me is the book I've been reading most recently. It's called Six Simple Rules, How to Manage Complexity Without Getting Complicated. And it's, it's a great book that I think really helps distill how we solve problems that might be a little bit more complicated than we realize. 
so it's a it's a, a really wonderful read and I think boils down some of the key steps that as leaders we need to take in order to solve problems that maybe aren't as easy as they appear on their face. So I would say that's probably my current read, but check back with me next week. I'll have a totally different selection. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. I think that books are a great resource for us and are part of, again, another Stephen Coveyism, sharpening the saw. I always ask these questions because it really gives a little bit of a glimpse of your world and how you see the world. And as part of notes to this podcast, I'll be sharing a recommended reading by you. Therefore, you know, you can send me a couple of more things that you think that would be really interesting for people to learn. I'd be glad to. And I think it's also very important because it just shows how much you invest into learning yourself, the, where you're continuously learning, whether it be books or something else, and everyone have their own styles of learning. And as a chief learning officer, when you were serving uh, public decisions, and as a director of learning and development at leaders in energy, and also working at Virginia Tech as a professor, I'm wondering, how do you change your style depending on the person you're working with in terms of their learning? Well, I think there are a couple of key pieces. It is, it's, first of all, it's that self-awareness of knowing kind of what our, our own individual preferences and tendencies are. And then also being aware of that other person. It sounds like such a simple thing in our, but a lot of it is, is around noticing what people are interested in, how they express themselves, really listening at what I, what, what's called that, that second and third level. So not only what the words are, but going beneath that and really understanding what's important to them. What do they want to accomplish? What are they dreaming about? What are they afraid of? What direction do they want to go in their professional life? And so collecting that information and understanding and trying to meet them in a middle place, never giving up who we are, always staying true to our own values and our own identity, um, but having that respect and that openness to who that person is uh, or, or several of those things also apply in an organizational setting and seeing what together, where you can connect and accomplish something that's, that's important and, and a value add. So I, I think that style piece, organizations struggle with that and individuals do too. Uh, and I, I do try. And I think even people who are challenging to me, I, I do try to do that. Uh, but there are some people that I just... That, it, it's not an easy connection. And so those are probably the instances that are, that I work the hardest in trying to understand myself. Where am I as a leader getting in the way of that relationship? What am I bringing that might help not, that, that might be obscuring, helping that person, me connect with them uh, in the best way possible. And so, um, yeah, I think in, in organizations too, I really believe that each person is a leader. Some people might have a managerial title or an executive title, but when we 
own who we are and also acknowledge and respect the other per people that we work with, that's a dimension of leadership that everyone um, can display. And so I, I try to model those things and to be very, very open to that I'm not perfect and I'm always learning and, and trying to uh, bring those insights and, and tips and strategies for helping people to to step forward in that way is, is something that I, I try to do in my own work. Okay, thank you so much. I think it, it's a really valuable piece about how you're trying to work with different people. And all of us, whether we're in business or not, we're always struggling with that, trying to make a bridge between different personalities, different worlds, mentalities, etc. And it's always a challenge. And the only way is really listening and trying to be self-aware. And I know there are a lot of frameworks around it, but again, you have to be self-aware even to be able to listen and absorb these frameworks like Myers-Briggs test and Gallup strength stress and leadership styles and the conflict management styles. <laughs> I mean, the, <laughs> the science has provided us with so many tools Yet again, if you're not mindful and self-aware, you might not be even open to discuss them or even believe that some of it might hold some substance, maybe not necessarily 100% because people change and their styles change. So, but it's very, very insightful. Thank you so much. And um, I think closer to the end of our conversation, I would like to ask you, what are you looking forward to in 2020? Wow, well, I think this is a, a new decade with a lot of new promise, and every day is like that. And so I think that the work that I see on the horizon for me and R is around helping people to further develop that self-awareness because that can change everything in an organization. So that's, that's something I look forward to doing more of and then on, on the organizational level, helping to create the kind of dynamic that is around outcomes and performance that's all connected to our, the green goals that we all have. And so there's, there's a lot at stake, as we know from the reports uh, and the science that we see. And so how can we help organi organizations to be able to um, make greater progress. And so the people are the skill, right? You can have all the technologies in the world, but if you don't have the people who can effectively implement them and work cohesively um, as a team, you aren't going to get get very far. And then the last piece is really around focusing on that outside dynamic. And uh, again, working in the green industry, we bring a systems perspective. So you can focus on yourself and the organization, but if you aren't connected effectively to um, to the system around you and thinking about that as a loop, an ongoing loop, then you aren't going to make progress on the things that are really important. So I'm, I'm really excited about working in all of those three realms with people in, in organizations because it's, it's, it's essential for us as a society to do that. And I know we can do it, and I want to be a part of helping accomplish those important goals. Well, thank you so much. We uh, definitely 
wish for all your plans to realize and uh, to become reality for all of us. And I think you're already doing a lot of it in your work uh, and just being a part of this podcast as well, where the overall vision is to spread learning and to make it accessible to people. So if whoever is listening right now and would like to leave comments and questions, they can do so as well. And since a lot of the podcast guests were local to Washington, D.C. area, I'm thinking maybe in 2020, we can have a live event where we all meet and we can discuss things. And it will be more of a face-to-face community-based learning and a, a networking event. Thank you again so much for your time. And a lot of topics resonated with me, especially in terms of self-awareness and making the workplaces much better where teams can work together and achieve results and their plans and the goals, uh, but also in a very effective and a very respectful manner where they enjoy it. My background is in project management, so I've always wanted for projects to be not only on budget, on time and within the scope, but also that people who are implementing them would be having fun and a very productive environment because that's where we spend about eight, 10 hours a day. And that's most of our waking hours. And I think as human beings, we deserve to have a thriving and a, an enjoyable environment for our work. So I'm very happy that there are many more executive coaches and consultants who are focused on that big vision for all of us. Thank you, Inara. I've enjoyed our discussion very much, and I look forward to having an in-person discussion about these topics and networking together in the new